Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Joe Williamson, and this is That Nerd Dad Podcast. Today's guest, I'm just diving right into it. Today's guest is none other than Victor Lucas. Now, for those of us in Canada who are video game fans, we know who that is. Maybe someone else who's uh, new to the video game world may not recognize it. Victor Lucas was a big part of my childhood, and I have tried very hard to not fanboy during this interview. I think I accomplished it. Victor Lucas was one of the people who really started, and I'm going to call him a pioneer, in the video game entertainment industry. When I say that, I mean, he brought a video game review show in Electric Playground and uh, Reviews on the Run to mainstream media. And he was ahead of his time. Now you can still chick catch electric playground reviews on the run, um, on Twitch, YouTube, all those channels, but Victor Lucas is at the forefront of it all. So I was thrilled that he said he would sit and talk to me for 30 minutes. This is that interview. And I, I said this to him just before, but try not to fanboy too much. Uh, Victor <laughs> Lucas. Victor Lucas, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me on, Nerd Dad. Do you like Nerd Dad or you like Joe? It doesn't matter. <laughs> that right, Nerd cool. Dad kind of uh, is my branding. Helps me get out there a little bit. A lot awesome. of Joes out there. There's even a few a lot of Joes. Nerd Dads, but I, that's why I had to go with that Nerd Dad just because it was available. <laughs> I, I get it. You're speaking my language. We are all... Um, Nerd brethren, aren't we? Oh, well, I mean, look, I'm in my mom's basement. You are in a, a nerd wonder room down there. I, I'm in my basement, which, uh, you know, thanks to COVID has become my studio. And I've done so many incredible things out of this basement. We, we called the podcast Vic's Basement uh, as a tribute to this ridiculous, you know, <laughs> shrine of geekdom that I have down here. Uh, but I didn't know that it would eventually eventually be my studio, my set. You know, like I, I interviewed Mads Mikkelsen the other day from this freaking place. You know, like it's it 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 it, uh, it freaks me out, but it's incredibly convenient to be able to walk downstairs and make things and talk to people all over the world. It's pretty cool. You've come a long way from reviews on the run, electric yep. playground, yep. back to your basement. But yep. I have to imagine that passion for the the video game community probably started in a basement somewhere and now you've come yeah. full circle i mean it's i, I think what what people might not understand because and i to, i totally understand i understand that they don't understand because everybody's busy and they have their own stuff to deal with and their own content that they follow and but uh yeah like i i wouldn't have push so hard to create electric playground and start this path. If it wasn't just like 
all of my heart, man. Like if I just didn't obsess and freak out and love all of this stuff and I always have. And, uh, yeah, it started with a passion for video games on the Atari 2600. My mom was incredibly patient with me. I spent a lot of money, paper route money, and then later part-time job money. And then I was a waiter on games and, and research around video games. And, uh, it, it was out of love. I've just loved this business and, and this industry and, and uh, the creativity in it. And I wanted to know more. And I saw that there was an opportunity to make a TV show that that uh, honored the industry. Like, really, that was the idea was like, let's honor this industry. I didn't know where the show would go. I didn't know how long it would last. I didn't know if it would ever get on the air. But what I wanted to do was make a TV show that was in the video game industry, not this you know, marketing vehicle to promote the video game industry, but was actually embedded with developers and visiting them and um, you were video shoulder game to news. shoulder with them. You were video yeah. game news. It wasn't just, to your point, a marketing vehicle to sell the latest game. It was nope. news. It was updates. It was, I mean, look, we take for granted what we have now on yeah. the internet. But yeah. When I would, because I, I I can never find the exact time, but when I would come across Electric Playground uh, reviews on the run, City TV locally, and I, I stop, you got to watch, you got you got to hear what's coming and what and what Victor's excited about, and that passion. Now, how did we go from waiter to television <laughs> uh, mogul pioneer? Uh, <laughs> well, it was you know it was a lot of bumps and and. Um, you know, I think that the secret for us was it's different now because there's no, no holding back on your ability to create something and platform it and get it out there and, and share your voice. You know, the secret is to get people to see that voice. And I, I run into that now with uh, our content. Um, but back then, I think the, the secret was just the ability to communicate around a concept. And right from the beginning... I mean, I, I've said this in other interviews and stuff before, so if you've heard it, uh, you know, bear with me. But the first thing that I did is I wrote 100 ideas down when I was a waiter and an actor, and, and I, I wanted to pivot. I was acting, and I loved it, but I wasn't a big fan of auditioning for commercials, and I just didn't like the idea that my destiny was in somebody else's hands. And I wanted to marry my passion for games, and, which I've always had, and my passion for um, expression and communication. And so I wrote down 100 ideas of different businesses or different you know, concepts that, that I could push forward with, knowing that it would take a lot of collaboration, starting with my incredible girlfriend, who is now my wife, and we've been together for a long time. Um, but she was supportive and you know, starting with those hundred ideas, literally, I wrote them down. I said, I'm not stopping until I have a hundred different ideas. And I had all kinds of business concepts and stuff in there, uh, which is a different discussion. But eventually I, I, I settled on a television show that utilized elements from Entertainment Tonight and Siskel and Ebert. And at the time, those were both ter terrific television shows, iconic television shows. And I thought, and also a little bit of Much Music, which is a Canadian institution, uh, sadly, completely d 
devastated by the mishandling of uh, its corporate overlords now. I mean, what a what a joke much music has become. But back then, it was incredible. It was authentic, and it was filled with really wonderful personalities. So I looked at much music. I looked at the uh, the onset reporting and the behind the scenes reporting that Entertainment Tonight used to be known for before it turned into sort of gossipy garbage. And I I looked at the authentic elements in Siskel and Ebert where they would go off script and they would just bicker and fight about their passion for these things. And I thought in there, there is a great collection of ideas for a half hour weekly video game TV show. And so I walked into lots of rooms and I met with lots of people Game Informer magazine was the first magazine that ever wrote anything about the concept. We sent them our early demo uh, and they liked it. Um, and then I started to meet with broadcasters. We went to a television convention that's like E3, although it has, you know, through the face of TV kind of weathering the storm of the Internet. It's probably a lot different now, but it's called NatP. And we went to a few of those and met with broadcasters from across North America and some syndicators and some network executives. And eventually it came down to getting broadcasters at local stations to sign uh, contracts with us that they would pick up the TV show. And then we would go and get advertising support from the video game industry, you know, showing them that the concept was different than anything that had been done before. This was going to be a self-syndicated half-hour weekly show that was going to come and visit you guys, let you tell us about your passion and your fire and why you're sleeping in the offices, which was not uh, taboo back then, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everybody was young, including us. I mean, we, we were creating whole seasons of TV show, like eating Taco Bell, you know, and, and sharing a, a motel rooms up and down the, the coast of of uh, America. Um, and then eventually we had enough stations and enough sponsors uh, and enough support and, a t and a, enough of a team, a tiny little team to launch in uh, 1997. And uh, we got our first season off and we did really well with our ratings. Uh, I still have the TV guide that, that came out of San Francisco with the Drew Carey's on the cover and you know, in the pages on our on our Saturday afternoon, there's our, our TV show, The Electric Playground. And and they were very happy there. And the other broadcasters were quite happy. And then we went back to Nappy a couple more times and we picked up um, support from Chum, uh, which was the new VR stations. And then they be eventually became City when Rogers acquired everything. Uh, I, actually, I think it was City and then Rogers acquired everything and, and turned everything into City. Um but we had a deal with Discovery Science for a couple of seasons in there. Space became our first network. MTV Canada became a network. And then, of course, our relationship with G4. We were the uh, longest running uh, external production partner with G4. We produced hundreds of episodes of content for them. And then G4 launched in Canada. Uh, and we already had a relationship with Rogers. And they wanted to make it a little bit more exclusive and um, at first, they contracted me and our team to produce The Lab with Leo Laporte, which was our first foray into a daily show. And then um, during the course of that, we, we had discussions of like, let's make Electric Playground a daily show and let's dive into this culture. And, uh, you know, let's go behind the scenes on all of this stuff. And we did. And I didn't know if it was going to work, sort of expanding video game. I thought it would, but I didn't know for sure that expanding out from games to talk about movies and TV shows and all the other cool, fun things that gamers are into was going to be um, 
uh, successful, but it it really was. That first episode when it aired, I was like, holy shit, this is a show. This is cool. <laughs> I would love to watch the show. It was like Marvel movies and Halo and, you know, some cool piece of technology. I'm sure we did a visit to Tesla before any of the stuff happened with Tesla. You know, it was just everything cool every single day was the motto. And that's exactly what we provided. Um, to see so it was come a lot age. of bumps, but we got there. To see you guys come of age literally as the industry was about to explode. Like, I mean, right. Your, your timing, uh, couldn't have been better to watch, yes. an, to watch an industry go from, uh, Hey, my kids play video games to that kid now has kids of his own. And that's yes. when, that's when everything just blew up because now the nostalgia yeah. was no longer Disney movies. It was video games and it was and all of it. Books. And it was all of it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that, that was one of the profound things. Like the, my life really changed, you know, personally, like my job has never changed, you know, still today, like later today, I'm going to be streaming the uh, ROG ally and chatting with people watching the stream and talking about the games and stuff that we saw and played. And it's never changed. But what has changed is the access to more and more people. And that was through us becoming a daily TV show. And it was incredibly significant. Like we were suddenly in people's lives every day with not just, it wasn't just us in our studio, you know, it was a great collection of individuals, but we were everywhere and we were on location with all kinds of incredible creativity. And it's the coolest stuff that human beings make. And we really solved it. Like we really were able to reach people in a, a profound way because most of the other entertainment stuff that was out there was, you know, very popular, but it was about reality television and um, a little gossipy. It was, it was different. You know, I don't want to disparage the work that other people do. I don't want to do that work. I wanted to get into the nerdiness of creativity and, and the, the fire of it and the, and the commonality of it across movies and games and comics. And what I, you know, how the EP as a daily concept sprang. Cause even before that, back in, I'm jumping all over the place, but back in uh, the early two thousands, we had a deal with, uh, you know, a handshake agreement that ended up not happening because of nine 11 of all things. But we had a handshake agreement with discovery science to make a show called entertainment tomorrow. And it was going to be That's kind of what EP, the EP daily was, was uh, kind of the, the distillation of that concept. Um, but I, you know, these are the most profitable pieces of entertainment that in the world that humans make, like the sci-fi stuff and the superheroes and the video games and the cool technology. But it's so underserved by sustained, regular access and, and conversation. There is a, a ton of hypothesis and speculation and... Um, uh, cynicism around it in in sort of corporate news media stuff out there. And I, I don't mean to disparage news media, but um, there's just this remove. And I didn't want that remove. I wanted to be there with these people making. And that's exactly what we did. But what happened is when we accelerated and grew to that, suddenly I'd walk down the street in any city and people would know who I was. And they could be at any age, little kids, six years old, you know, grandfathers, 95 years old, the, everybody in between. 
I was once talking to a uh, uh, a CRA officer who was, and I, nothing bad happened, but they were looking for <laughs> a friend of, uh, of mine, uh, <laughs> and they called me through the office, and they called me, and they, they had something to do with a friend of mine, but it wasn't bad, and nothing was bad. They were just looking for the person. And then she said, I, I, I'm really not allowed to do this, but I, I have to tell you, I just love your show. My daughter and I and my, my husband, we all watch it every single night and I never stop. This is the best t content out there. I don't know exactly the terminology she used, but she was so effusive and so uh, passionate. And that's what changed. It's like we served up this marginalized, you know, um, siloed, quote unquote, uh, niche type of content in, in, on a mainstream platter. And our ratings were solid because we had, uh, you know, uh, we were in 100 million homes in the States and all, we were all over the map in terms of, uh, uh, you know, where, where our time slots were because it was syndicated again. But everywhere we were, we were one or two in the time slot, you know. And so we might air after uh, at the time, I think it was Craig Ferguson or something like that. And we would be number one in the time slot. You know, we were right up there with TMZ and the other shows. But we were, you know, a tiny little <laughs> independent production company, relatively speaking, uh, out of Vancouver. And so we we don't ha we didn't have the uh, uh, you know seven hundred other media properties and all kinds of other things that we could put into a deal that would keep us on a runway forever. And when Rogers. Honestly, this is what happened. Rogers pivoted to hockey. They bought they bought the hockey rights for NHL, and they spent billions deal. of dollars on that. Yep. It was a huge deal. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And things changed like crazy through that. And then G4 sputtered and faltered through the, ex the exact reason. Like, And again, I don't mean to, to insult the people do that it. worked really no, hard at G4. It. Let's do this. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the new G4 was a total cluster. But the, the, the previous iteration, they were trying to court a tiny audience. You know, they were trying and, and, and it's cable. And so you kind of say, OK, well, it's cable. We have to be weird and we have to be different and we we, we have to be edgy. But that's that audience was so freaking small and they were working so hard to get it. And it's like they were fighting with NeoGAF at the time to be hipper than, you know, the cynics on NeoGAF or like reset. What is it? Reset era right now is the, the new version of that. Um, and the audience is massive. The audience that don't know and don't play and don't have any clue and don't have time, that is an audience that you want. And you can get that audience. We did. 
Yep. We didn't know we would, but we did. We got lots of people that never played a video game. I had a a, a movie critic in Vancouver. He was in his 70s, and uh, I'd see him at screenings all the time. And he says, I, you know, I don't know what you guys are talking about on your show at all, but I watch it every night, and I love it because you guys are clearly having a good time, and it's so fun just to see what you guys are getting into and how you deliver it. And that's what you want. When you're making a TV show or any media, for Christ's sakes, you want to be inclusive, you know, and so much of what is made now is so exclusive and and like chasing the tiniest little group. And I know it's splintered and fractured and, and it's, uh, you know, okay. everybody's platformed, but uh, it's so small and it shouldn't be. I think the, one of the reasons for that is, and, I, and I've been told this myself, is you, you get told you got to niche down. You, you need to niche down. You well, that's niche, what YouTube lives off of. You got you to niche yeah. down and yeah. find that niche audience. Well, but, well, it's because the robots like to categorize mm -hmm. so that they can put you in a tiny little box. And I mean, God, even viewers like that. I, I can't tell you how many times I've tweeted about what an asshole Trump is and, and how how much of a destructive force he has been in the world, clearly. And I've had people say, well, stick to video games or you can't talk about it. You know, why are you talking about that? You're Canadian. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, OK, all right. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a person of this world and I can't have any thoughts outside of uh, games. I get you. But, you know, that's that's what the analytics of YouTube and all of these other platforms are all about. They just want you to do stick with your box. That's it. Yeah. You know, no, they're not looking for uh, broad horizons. But no. I think you've touched on a couple of things there. And one of them was uh, enthusiasm. And that's essentially it, because it I, I believe people can people can smell it. They can smell sincerity. Oh, yeah. And, and when it comes through, regardless of what you're watching or listening, whether or not you're interested in the topic, whether or not you're knowledgeable of the topic, if that person is selling you something and you can feel it from their soul that they believe mm. it, you're hooked. You're right. hooked on it. Right. And, and that's what, look, I mean, 20 minutes has flown by. I am, I'm ready to start <laughs> my own media company. Like, I'm ready <laughs> to do this today because of you. Um <laughs> And I'll say I listened before earlier today. I listened to your TED talk, which was from 2000. Yeah. My notes say 2011. Right. Uh, the 3D rules. First off, I loved it. I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to share it to oh. people because I never watched it. I was doing a little prep. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. I like you. to do a little research once in a while before I talk to someone. And, yep. um, and, and the 3D rules was so good. And part of me was midway through it. I was going, I wonder how long this took him to do. How long did the 3D rules come up to like come up with develop uh, before you presented what I saw on YouTube? Um, I you know I, I, it was um, it was incredibly flattering to be asked. My uh, my friend uh, Christopher Bennett, who is now an agent, a talent agent, uh, and who's had different jobs. Uh, I met him when he was working at Best Buy, and then he ended up working at Vancouver Film School. But he also oversaw um, TEDx Vancouver. And uh, he reached out and said, we want you to speak. And I was incredibly flattered and completely overwhelmed and didn't know what the hell I was going to talk about. And he said, you should do something personal, but, you know, frame it from um, the vantage point of, of your expertise, you know. And 
one of the tricky things with a lot of the the TEDx and TED talks out there is that sometimes they can become overtly promotional, <laughs> and, and it's because you know people have interesting careers generally if they're going to be asked to to speak in something like this, and so I didn't want to do that. Um, but I also want wanted to talk about EP for 20, for 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, obviously that's where, that's the point of context for a lot of people. And, and I have an interesting job and I always have had an interesting job. So I knew something was in, in there to, to discuss, but I also thought, um, the biggest thing that has ever happened to me, um, is that my wife and I had, you know, she got pregnant and we, we were about to have a baby and, and it was the greatest and it remains and it will all forever be the greatest gift I've ever had in my life. You know, um, apart from meeting this woman who is a part of my heart, like she's my soul, you know, she's everything. And she, she, uh, she's not going to watch this. You don't have to say that. No, but it's true. And, and I, you know, I, I end up talking about uh, my achievements so much, but so much of my whole existence is tied to this woman and this person that has supported me and, and put up with me and my <laughs> crazy freaking ideas for so goddamn long. Uh, but we, we were about to have a kid. And so that was the most important thing going on for me. And um, so in there, I thought, okay, what if I... Uh, um, what if I boil this all down and, and get very personal and and get into a, a little bit of my thinking? Um, and I God, I st I just tweeted out just right now. Like people spend so much damn time being negative and just complete assholes. I, I reviewed the Indiana Jones movie, which I, I love the new one. I, I watched it this morning as well. <laughs> Yeah, I love the freaking movie. You know, I, I I was sitting in the theater yelping and coming very close to tears. I didn't quite cry, but I was, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but I love the damn movie and everybody was so good in it. And Harrison Ford is, God, he's my favorite actor of all time. And it was just beautiful. And J James Mangold is such an amazing filmmaker. So I just, I said that. Um, and then so many people have just like have this hatred for anything to do with Lucasfilm. And there's so much negativity out there. And so I got this flood of like, shill, shill, you know, how much did Disney pay you? And and just just rampant negativity. And I get that from time to time. You can't help it. You know, I'm a critic, so people can critique me. That's fine. But uh, well, uh, Twitter's not exactly known for its good vibes. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I think the inverse of that is like, if you do like something, and that's what EP is for, for that old, you know, I don't, I don't know if you swear, but, but that's what EP is. Like, you if can you swear like something, yeah. okay. <laughs> like express that you like it. You know, the world needs more expression of enjoyment and joy, you know, especially now, especially because we're so goddamn fractured as a society and everybody has this, you know, voice as, as dumb and ignorant and hateful as the, the, some people can be. They have the ability to get out there and spread all that. And what's there seems to be this weird correlation. The, 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 the more of an asshole you are, the more you, you know, spread that. And well, because I, the I algorithms to, love it. The algorithms and the love algorithms it. love it. But also, I don't know. I think people that, you know, have an appreciation for the difficulty of building things and, and have an intelligence and an empathy <laughs> generally don't waste a lot of time on these platforms and these social kind of constructs. And because they're busy, you know, they're off creating things. And I, I just want to encourage anybody out there 
you, we need to share our respect and our admiration and our appreciation for things that we care about. We need to convert, uh, not convert, but express this stuff to, I, I don't know, change the, uh, change the dynamics just a little bit if we can, because it, God, it's just overt cynicism and hatred and negativity and everybody's wrong and everybody's out greedy. And it's like, come on for Christ's sakes, man. Anyways, so you want to end on a happy note? That's a good one. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, 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 I think there's an element of the fact that before the internet, yeah. the village idiot didn't have a community. The village right. idiot was the village idiot. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah. Now they can find each other and form their right. own little community. And right. that gives them a voice. And, and it, yeah. that's where we're, I think we're hearing a lot of just village idiots. That's all we're hearing. With <laughs> like a I lot of time. Ostracized has now found his family. Yes. Yeah. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah. And, and, and uh, sadly, that, that ignorance um, is also layered with arrogance. And so people don't spend any time to reflect on the what ifs or to research or to genuinely communicate uh, and listen. They just, there's just a lot. And you know what? I mean, I, I'm sure it exists on both sides of any topic. Um, an educated person might also have an incredible amount of arrogance and, and be dismissive of other people and, and non-empathetic of other people. But we're really in this combustible situation right now. And it's, it's not just a political thing. It's like a, um, a human discourse thing. And it's, it's so volatile and it, it's, it sucks. And I, you know, as a champion of creativity, you know, as somebody that has been, been doing and sharing and spreading the love around invention and ambition to entertain for so goddamn long, it really concerns me, you know, like I really worry about the people that, I, I like I know Harvey Smith quite well from uh, um, Redfall, you know, and from Arcane in, in Austin. And to see articles written about him with anonymous employees throwing him under the bus, it breaks my freaking heart, you know, because that guy helped to create Deus Ex and, you know, was a part of Dishonored, which is the, you know... It, that was our game of the year in 2011. Like the guy is a genius game maker. And um, anyways, it's, it, it, it's a, uh, it's a treacherous world out there. There's a lot of beauty in the ability to uh, give everybody a, an opportunity to communicate out there, but there is um, uh, so much nastiness. So I, I guess the only thing I will, I would say to combat it is to let people know that you like something and if uh you can get to those creators through social media or whatever let them know you know let them know let, let they, they I, I you know speaking from my own vantage point when i see uh 50 comments of lucasfilm sucks and then somebody says oh man i see that you're as passionate about indiana jones as i am and thank you for this review it was it's great i i was worried but now i see that other people can like this thing it makes me feel excited to go and that's a comment that really gets to me that's like okay all right thank you i mean that's and and you know um so if it if it 
if it can help a critic, it can certainly help the the uh, the creators who are so freaking vulnerable, right? Like imagine you you've spent four years on a game or a movie or whatever, and you pop it out into the world, and it's just d- it, terrible numbers and t- you know That's, awful review scores, and it's it, not, it doesn't even be have to brutal. be popped out. Sometimes the idea has to be floated. Hey, they're going to make yeah. this movie. Oh, that's a terrible idea. I hate everything about this movie already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Um, Victor Lucas, thank you so much for doing this. I, I yep. greatly appreciate it. Um, I, I'm going to reference your TED Talk because I think it summarizes this a little bit, uh, the last point, which is uh, don't be a dick. That's don't right. be a dick. I, 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 sometimes it might be hard, but just try try not to be a dick. <laughs> I might get that tattooed somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> Well, uh, well, yeah. If you watch that TED talk, I certainly didn't coin that phrase, but I, uh, I try to. Uh, I try you make to it your own. You make it your to own. It. Yeah, I try. No, it was I really good. We, I, it, I highly recommend. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, put a link somewhere to it in one of the descriptions somewhere along the line. But uh, awesome. I greatly appreciate your time today. Thanks, buddy. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I, I cannot thank him enough. I hit end recording, and the first thing he said to me was. Did I give you what you need? Do you, do you want to ask some more questions? I got more time for you if you need it. I try to be respectful of my guest's time. If I say I want to have a 30-minute conversation with you, I try to keep it a tight 30. That is my commitment. That is me being a man of my word. Um, so for him to say afterwards, do you need anything else? And I was like, nah, man, we're good. I, I'm just thrilled to have talked to him. Uh, so check out Victor Lucas on all of the socials, check out electric playground on all of the socials. I'll be sure to include the link to that Ted talk below. Cause that is, um, a hell of a lot of fun. And, um, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling a friend, please hit subscribe. I, f- I have to say that, right? You have to say that. Cause if I don't say it. You might not do it. So please hit subscribe and follow and blah, 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 blah. And um, we'll do this again next week. Take care. Be well. Be safe. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.